Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Open your Bible, turn to the book of Acts. I want to welcome uh, visitors, uh, especially ones that are streaming. Perhaps people are streaming for the first time online. We have thousands of people that stream uh, from all around the world, really, online. And so we want to welcome you. I want to read um, this story in Acts. Look at Acts 28. And uh, I'm going to share something from this, uh, from this story. And uh, I'm going to read from uh, chapter 28, verse 1. It'll come up on the screen. And uh, for those heathens that didn't bring their Bible this morning, we got you. Acts 28, verse 1. Now, when they had escaped, it's talking of Paul. This is after Paul has been shipwrecked. When they had escaped, they found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on a fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In that region, there was a state of a leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went in to him and prayed and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. This is a funny story, isn't it? Have you ever looked at this story before? It's so bizarre to me. What I like about um, this story is... Or not so much like, but what strikes me in this story is not so much the story. Yes, it's the story itself. I mean, Paul gets bit by a snake on the hand. But it's more if you read the book of Acts and the chapters that build up to this moment, you actually see that Paul is really having a rough time. This would be, if you look at Acts and you go through and you can, you know, I just went through a few of the chapters prior. As you flick through and follow Paul's life up until this point, you see that Paul has gone through a few minor adversities. If you're having, ever having a bad day and feel like things are not going well for you, I challenge you, read the book of Acts. You'll feel much better about your life. Paul, after a radical conversion, decides, he gets pumped. You know the story of Paul on the road, name changed from Saul to Paul on the road to Damascus, has this radical encounter. He decides he's going to hit the preaching circuit. Starts up a quick Twitter account, gets a few good tweets, sends them out, does a few selfies, puts them up, starts paulsministry.com and hits the road, ready to go and conquer the world. He's excited. He's ready to go and preach. But if you know something of the story, you know that Paul's preaching ministry, if we were going to look at it 
from now in, in the context of today's culture and society, any wise counsel around Paul would say, bro, listen, maybe this is not the, the road for you. If you follow it a little bit and look through it, I mean, the dude, not a, he gets, chapter 14, he's, he's preaching, they start to stone him. Now listen, if you're a preacher and you're up there preaching a message and people in the crowd while you're preaching bend down and begin to pick up rocks off the ground, it's at that point you would start to think maybe this message is not going super well right now. They stone him. He escapes. It says they have actually stoned him so badly. They beat him so badly that they thought that he was dead. This is how bad it was. But Paul picks up from that and he doesn't give up at that point. He's ready to power on to the next city. Okay, we would call it crazy, but he keeps going. As you flick through the story, I mean, you can pick out again. He's uh, preaching again and uh, again gets beaten and again gets stoned. Um, he keeps going and then he faces another attack in, in chapter 17. Then he has to escape again and then he escapes and then he gets mocked while he's preaching again. There's one funny story where he's actually preaching and he's, he's talking and one of the guys says, one of the Roman officers says to another guy, I want you to punch him in the mouth. Read the story. It says, punch him in the mouth while he's speaking. Come on, if that's not going to shut you up, bro, some, you got some passion if you can preach through a punch in the mouth. Another story in verse 19, while he's preaching, there's a crazy riot that Paul has to escape. He goes on another journey and keeps going and keeps persevering. Then he gets arrested. Then he faces, the Jews are after him. Then he faces the Romans. The Romans are sort of trying to stick up for him because they're really not sure why the Jews hate him so much. The Romans are sort of looking at him, feeling sorry for him. They're like, why is he? I mean, this dude's really copping it right now. Like, what's going on? This is a bit much. They can't understand it. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. He's arrested again, escapes again. Then they put him on a ship. He gets out in the ship. The ship faces storms. This is after again, I've skipped through more arrests, more threats to kill, more stonings, more beatings. Then he gets, finally he gets shipwrecked. But then he faces, there's something good happens because he gets shipwrecked. And as we just read in the story, finally he gets shipwrecked. And then he comes in 28 verse 2. And the natives showed us unusual kindness in a storm. And Paul gets this moment where after all of this, he gets to sip down by a fire on a cold day and just enjoy a nice little moment. Then as that's happening, Paul's starting to build the fire and the Bible says that a snake, I mean, my God, a snake jumps out and latches on his hand. Now listen, if it was me at that point, with a viper hanging off my hand, that would be when I would look to heaven and say, God, really? Like, are we really doing this right now? Are you serious? How random is this story? 
I've been looking all throughout these chapters, reading it. I've been inspired again by the life of Paul. I start looking at it and reading through it again, trying to just think, how does Paul continue to walk through adversities? How does Paul continue to persevere through every single challenge that comes his way? Not just persevere, but persevere and come out with great victory with his head held high and still pursue the call of God upon his life. Something in this that we can learn, church. As I'm reading through it, I was reminded that it was Paul that wrote one of the most famous verses in the Bible. And you need to know that he wrote this verse while he was going through all of these adverses, not after. How many know it's easy to preach faith after the fact? Come on, when you've already walked through the fire, And you come out, you made it good. Now you're sitting down at night in the warmth of your home having a cup of tea. And now you can preach to someone and say, man, I remember when we believed. But it's something different when you're in the middle of the adversity, still preaching faith. This is the verse, put it up, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. Paul, in the middle of beatings, in the middle of stonings, in the middle of shipwrecks, in the middle of snake rites, decides that he's going to write this down and he's going to say, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We've read this so many times before, haven't we? We know the Scripture, we probably quoted it before, but I think sometimes we forget of the context that this Scripture was being written. This is is being written by a man that's really living it. It's such a powerful verse as we look at this verse. And I want to show you a few things that I think that we can take from the life of Paul and apply to our own life to help us continue to walk through adversities and come out on the other side with a victory. It says we walk... By faith, not by sight. When it's talking of walk, it's talking of a journey. What Paul is saying is, he's saying, listen, there's two, there's one of two ways you're going to do this. He says, you're either going to walk this journey out by faith or you're going to walk it out by sight. It's not going to be faith with a little bit of sight or sight with a little bit of faith that's going to get you there. It's going to be, it's, there's, there's one choice you've got to make and you're going to either go by sight or by faith. It's talking of the direction that you're going to head. Caressa and I have been married for just over three years. It has been the greatest three years of Caressa's life. And... In three years, I mean, truly, I've been just an absolute blessing to her. In, th- in three years, I know you're going to find this incredibly difficult to comprehend. 
I know some of you are going to be absolutely baffled and floored at this statement, but in three years, there have been just a few, not many, but just a few moments where we have, wait for it, clashed. Hold on to your seat, don't fall on the floor. I know for your marriage and those people that are married here, I know no one else here has had those moments where you've clashed. But there are moments, sometimes, every now and then, I mean, maybe once or twice a year, where you will sort of butt heads as married couples just a little bit. Don't agree with me out loud, men, because you may get in trouble. But one of the areas that Caressa and I clash is when it comes to driving and directions. I have a problem. Well, I've got a few, but one of them is... I don't like to be a passenger. Are there any men here? Wave at me. If it's, it's, just, it's just how I roll. Call me a control freak, whatever it is. I, I don't like to be a passenger. I don't even like being a passenger on the plane. I would rather have a go at it myself. <laughs> but what will happen is I will be driving in the car. Caressa will be beside me and she will be directing me. Recipe for disaster, church. We'll be driving down the road. I'll be driving down a road coming up to a fork in the road where there are two options. You have to either take a left turn or a right turn. Now I'm focusing on where I'm going, driving, and I'll say to Caressa, which way do I turn? Her response will be, turn there. To which I will reply, where? To which she will then reply, there. As I'm continuing down the road, getting closer to the intersection, I'll say, Caressa, there is not a direction. Where do I turn? See, the other thing about my wife, God bless her. Listen, I love my wife. She's loving, she's kind, she's generous, incredibly hot. What's not to love? She has one weakness, just one. She's not very good at her lefts and rights. Coming closer to the intersection, she said to me, you turn there. I say, where's there? She says, there. And I'll say, Caressa, I don't know where there is. She will say, right there. <laughs> Putting right in front of the word there doesn't make there any more accurate. It's still there. Where's there? Could be anywhere. I'll say, Caressa, do I go left or right? She'll go left, I'll say left, and she'll go right. I say, are you telling me to turn right? Are you saying that the left turn is correct? I say, where do you want me to turn? She'll say there. <laughs> Point I'm making is what will often happen is I'll find myself stopped at the fork in the road, put the car in neutral, turn to my loving wife and say, Cressa, baby, which way are we going? For the love of Jesus, please. Because you've got to, you've got to make a decision which way you're going to go, which way you're going to turn, otherwise you end up going nowhere. What Paul is saying here, he says there, are, there is a choice that you have to make in your life. You're either going to walk by faith or you're going to walk by sight. 
You've got to decide which direction you want to go when, you come, when it comes to pursuing the call of God upon your life. He says, walk by faith, not by sight. What Paul is saying is, is when he uses the word by, he's talking about how we're going to walk. Here's another way to put it. What fuels your walk? Is your walk fueled by what you see? Or is your walk fueled by faith? Because if you want to be able to walk through life and face all of the different challenges, and come out victorious on the other end, you've got to be someone that is fueled by faith. I want to give you, and this, that's my first one, but I want to give you three quick things that we learn from the life of Paul in regard to overcoming adversities. And the first thing is we have to choose to be fueled by faith. That we have to. Rely on our faith to move us forward and not our sight. Because how many know sometimes your sight, the challenge is with being fueled by sight is sometimes your sight delivers. Because that's the truth. Sometimes we look at the bank account and the bank account, guess what? Praise Jesus. It's up. The bills are getting paid and things are looking good. See, that's where the temptation to live fueled by sight can come in because we feel good in that moment. And guess what? I start moving forward. Man, I look at the bank account and it's up and things are good. I can start moving forward. Sight is fueling my walk. And then maybe I look at the kids and the kids are doing good. Man, I'm going to take another step forward. I'm fueled by sight. Maybe I look at our marriage and marriage is going good. We've got date night coming up this Friday night. We get to drop the kids off at Free Chapel. Come on, Jesus. Make sure you pick them up that night. We're not watching them all through the night. It's not kids, Cam. But then you can have these moments where you look at what's going on. And let's be honest, sometimes what's going on might be good. And that's all good and well, as long as everything stays good. And maybe your life might be different to mine. Maybe your life is good all the time, every single day, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And if that is true, awesome. But the reality is that every now and then, our sight lets us down. The reality is that every now and then you might look at what you're going through and see that, you know what, I'm not walking through something right now that looks good to my sight. I need to draw strength from something else. That's where we have to draw strength from a faith-fueled life. So when you're someone like Paul, you can get to moments in where you're being challenged in what you're walking through, challenged in what you're believing for. And you can still make that decision that you're going to continue to walk into what God is calling you to because your walk is not fueled by your sight. It's fueled by your faith. 
Acts 20 verse 22. Look at this dude. And he says, and, and see, this is Paul. In the middle of everything going on, look at what he says. Now, now I go, moving forward, bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. Look at this. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. This is a pretty crazy few verses. Now I go. Paul's saying in those few words, what he's saying is, despite the tribulation and testing that my eyes see in front of me, I'm fueled by faith. So I'm going to step into it in faith, knowing that my God is going to come through. If you want to continue to walk into the deeper things of God and to continue to grow your walk with God, you've got to live fueled by faith. So when, you, when a viper, like we just read, bites your hand, you can shake it off because you're not moved by what you see. There's something inside of you that's greater than what you see and face in front of you. This is what a faith fueled life looks like. Paul's walk, his walk was fueled by faith. But one of the things about his walk is, as you know, I looked at that and I thought, that's cool. Fueled by faith. But then as I kept reading this Acts and it was hit after hit, I thought, even if you're fueled by faith, if we're to be real honest, you, you, you face, when you face barrage after barrage of attack, even, even, listen, if I can be real, even someone that, that likes to say, I'm fueled by faith. How many know that you can face attack after attack and those attacks can start to get you down? Especially when you feel like you're facing an attack here and just when you got the faith to step through this one, you feel like then you get an attack over here. Then you've got to go over here and then you need faith for this. Come on, am I being real? Am I talking? You, you, you're believing for your marriage. Then you feel like you got a breakthrough. Then your finances took a hit. And then you feel like you get a breakthrough. Now the kids are messing up. And then you feel like you get a breakthrough. And then you get a diagnosis from the doctor. And you feel like you get a breakthrough. And then, and it almost gets to a stage where you can get so worn down that a faith-fueled life isn't going to cut it. The thing about Paul was he was not just faith fueled. He was faith filled. This is talking of the measure of faith that you have. Have you got enough to get you by this attack, this attack, 
this attack, this attack and still keep going. Because Paul had the faith. Listen, not was he just faith fueled; He was also faith filled. So when they beat him, he said, I'm going to keep going. Then when they stoned him, he said, you know what? I got this. Then when they started to mock him and ridicule him, he said, I'm still standing. Then when they brought him beaten, stoned, half to death in front of the courts and asked him to defend himself, he was able to defend and preach to the crowd that had moments earlier been mocking him and still, still had faith. First step is faith fueled. That's awesome. Second step is faith filled. How's your faith this morning? Luke 4 verse 1, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit would turn from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Didn't just get a little bit, didn't just get touch. We talk a lot, it's a terminology we use in church and I'm not trying to ridicule, I always say, God, I want a touch from God. But sometimes we have to understand the call of God upon your life is not going to be enough just for a touch. You need to be filled. You've got to say, God, I need, you to, I need you to fill me. Because the thing that can happen as we journey through life is the tank can start to run dry. And then what can happen is as the tank starts to run dry, We end up, I think sometimes, coming to church, saying, listen, it's been a big week. Taking hit after hit. I need a top up. I need, a, Pastor Ben, listen, I need, a, I don't need just a cute Australian today. I need like something that's really gonna. Come on, I now I need, listen, man, don't just give me, I, I, I might need Mad Dog Rough this morning to really pour something big into me. I need something. Come on, listen, listen, hey. Hey, hey, Pastor Ben, listen, I need you. I need, listen, you're going up to your leaders or in small group, we're coming to church and we get out of the car and we're dragging it in and the tank's empty and we just need, man, I just need you to put a little bit in here. But look at this problem, church. Problem is you pour in here. That's only going to get me so far. You can come to church saying, man, I'm hungry, man. I want a touch from God. And yeah, you'll get it. Yeah, you'll get a touch from God. Yeah, God's faithful. Yeah, we all have bad weeks. But don't come to church week after week with a gas tank, gas can saying, God, I need just a little bit more of you. You won't be what God has called you to be. You'll just get maybe, maybe Monday, Tuesday. You ever had to call AAA? You ever run out of gas? You don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, listen, I, back in the day, I remember running out of gas. I was talking to Cressy the other week. I said, yeah, I used to run out of gas and hitchhike. She said, what? 
I said, yeah, like we'd be on a surf trip or something and 10 grand's out and you just hitchhike and you jump in with some other boys and they drop you at a service gas station. You get a gas tank. Can you imagine if you rang AAA? You said, I'm stuck. And they're going to come and they're going to bring a can and they put f- fuel in. Then you drive home and then you ring AAA again. Hey, hey, bro, listen. Can you come back? Why? Well, I've got to get to work now. Then you get to work and you call AAA at home time. He says, what are you calling me for, bro? Now I've got to get home. See, the problem is we treat church like AAA. Well, we come into church on a Sunday and we say, I just need you to give me enough to just, to just get me by. Listen, I'm not preaching sermons to just get you by for a week. I'm preaching sermons so that I can get you to where the station is, get you to where the source is. When you get the pump for yourself, stick it in the car, pay the bill and you'll be filled for the week. We got, we got AAA Christianity. We're dragging into church. Just, I just need a little bit. Now hear me, listen, we all have weeks. I'm not having a go at you. I'm, not, I'm saying, I know we all have weeks with sometimes, but don't rely. What's AAA? AAA is for an emergency, not a lifestyle. Quit walking into church. God has not called you to just get enough just to get you by for the world. I need this sermon just enough to get me by. You're called to soar. But you're not going to soar if you treat the church like AAA. You've got to make a decision to say, you know what, Pastor Ben, Pastor Javon, the leaders, the worship, give me enough to get me in the tank, to get me to the station. And when I get to the station, I'm going to fill this thing up myself so I am full, walking in the call of God, doing what God has called me to be, achieving everything. Let's put on my life. Need keys to come. I need to finish soon. First is faith fueled. Second is faith filled. I want to tell you, church, there's a different way for you to show up to church on a Sunday. You could show up to church. Saying, listen, will you fill me? Will you just give me a bit? I'm dry. I haven't been in my word. I haven't been praying. I need a message. I need a song. I need worship. I need my spirit lifted. I'm desperate. I'm... You could come with an emergency AAA mindset. Or you can come to church. Full. It's one thing to be fueled by faith. Another thing to be filled with faith. But then there's another level, church, I want to tell you, it's a level, level of being overflowing with faith. This is the level where you start. It's not this is the level where it shifts and it doesn't just become about you. It becomes about those around you. 
So I'm not walking into church on a Sunday saying, gimme, 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 I need, I need, I need. I'm walking into church saying, here you go. I've got some faith for that, man. Come on, get around me. I'm gonna pray for you. Come on, here we go. I'm gonna pour, let me let me speak this Word into your life. Come on, do you need help with ushering here? I'm gonna serve here. Come on, you need some greeters? I'm gonna serve here. I wanna get on the parking lot. I'm coming to not take, but I'm coming to give. I'm living a life, not just talking about Sunday church. What if you walked out of the house every single day and your faith looked like this? Say, man, I've got, I've got, I've got more. Listen, my tank's full, gas can's full. God, where do you need me? Where's that, where's that workmate? That person beside me, man, they say, I've got a headache. You say, you know what? I'm not a weirdo. I believe God can heal. Can I just, can I pour out a little bit on you? What if the verse that we quote so much in church, of Luke 6 verse 38, and we talk about it in regard to giving, give and it will be given to you. Press down. Shaking together and running over. What if that's not just in regard to finances? The more you pour out, the more you will receive. It's not just living faith fueled, not just faith filled, but pouring out. One of the most well known Psalms. Psalm 23, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Where do you get filled to overflowing? It's in a green pasture. That's why God will make you go there. He'll say, listen, I know you feel like you've got enough in your tank, but what I'm calling you to is greater than what's in your tank. Get in that green pasture and seek my face. Makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Yo, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, because we know, we know, let's not pretend like we're not going through challenges. Church is real life. Walk through the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you with me. You're rotting your stuff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Church, as we, as I close, how's your tank? You're just getting by. Are you emptied out? And hear my heart. I hope you hear my heart this morning. That we are 
here as a church, yes, for people that are at their wit's end. Now, you know, I've been to church many a times. But don't rely on it for that reason. We're not here. Church is not here just to give you a little bit in the tank that you could use for your whole week. It's to get you a little bit in the tank so you can get to the source. Because listen, church cannot become your source. Your pastors can't become your source. Your leaders. That's why when sometimes, I hate, I hate hearing of it. I sat under a, a pastor years ago where something happened when someone has a fall, a moral fall, and people under them fall away from God. They backslide. They, why? Because they made that person their source. And I'm not saying it's not disappointing. Listen, I've been through it myself looked up to someone, I looked up to them, but they were not my source. He is my source. He's my provider. He's the only one. Right across this room. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.